You're listening to The Exchange. I'm your host, Dr. Lorraine. Hello, everybody. I am so glad that you tuned back in this week to listen to the second part of my testimony. This is officially episode number two. And I wanted to share with you some of the things that have happened to me in my life. Last week, I talked about a lot of the educational things, a timeline of a lot of the uh, experiences that I had in ministry. And so this time, I'm just going to talk about some of the medical things that happened. So I will go ahead and just dive into that. I was born with dislocated hips. A few days after I was born, I was sent home in a body cast. So for the first six weeks of my life, I was in a cast from the tips of my toes all the way to my collarbone. My mother took me home that way. And this was so that my hips would be back in the socket and hoping that I would not ever have this problem again. There was really no reason why I was born with dislocated hips. Apparently, this is just something that happens every now and then and is quickly resolved. So after I got out of this body cast, I was the oldest of my three brothers. And so I developed just like every other infant did, um, reached all of my developmental uh, developmental, um, things that I needed to do as a child, such as and walk and talk and all those things and it was not until I was about two years old that my mother noticed that I was limping on my left side and that I um, had gotten one of that hip had come out of the socket again and when she took me to the doctor they said that I was going to need another surgery and it would also be in another body cast which is exactly what happened when I was two years old another surgery to put it back in, and another body cast for about six weeks. And so after the body cast again went on with my life, was like any other two-year-old child. And when I was about three years old, I was in a car accident on Christmas Eve. My aunt was getting married and I was one of the little girls who was in her wedding. She had been taking me to Sunday school because she had gotten in church. She had met a lady from her work that had introduced her to Pentecost, and she had received the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and had been so excited about her experience that she had told all of her family, including my parents, who were raised Catholic and and did not want to go to church with her, but they sent me. So I had been going to church with her as a Sunday school kid with her and her two sons. And so I was asked to be in this wedding. And so after this wedding, we went to my grandparents' house. And my grandparents had this backyard, and I had another cousin who was also the same age. Her and I were playing in the backyard when my mother's 15-year-old brother was in my grandfather's pickup truck and he had the bride and groom's gift in the back and he was moving the truck and as he was moving the truck he did not see my cousin and I and he ended up running over me and I went underneath the back wheel of that truck and I do 
have some recollection recollection of of that event. I do remember some of the things that happened. Um, kind of, I blacked out. But my uncle and my father came out in the backyard and saw that I was underneath the back tire and got my uncle to move forward so that they could take me out. And as soon as they pulled me out, they put me in their car in the front seat and drove me to the hospital. And I do remember this um, this car ride to the hospital as I had dirt on my face and I remember sitting there limp and trying to talk and them telling me, don't talk, don't talk. And um, when I got to the hospital, they did several tests. My aunt was there in her wedding dress. My mother was there. Several of my family members were there. And they told my parents that I had had a spinal cord infarction, which means that I had had a, a heart attack during the accident and that this, uh, this uh, spinal cord infarction had caused a blockage at T10, which is about the belly button down. And I had sustained a spinal cord injury along with breaking my collarbone and breaking my right arm. So my parents were about 22 and 23 years old. My brother Eddie had been born. He'd been born May of two, I'm sorry, May of 1983. So he was only a couple months old when my accident happened. And my parents were told that this was a an accident injury that was not going to go away. That there was nothing that could be done. That this was going to be what my life was going to look like. And uh, my parents were stunned, of course, did not know what to do. They were not able to accept that, were not wanting to accept that. And I, I remember being in the hospital. There were several people that came in. I remember people trying to touch my legs and trying to feel, understand, like, if it just, did this really happen? Can she really not feel? I also remember since it was Christmas Eve, the very next day, there was a Santa Claus that came in and gave me a strawberry shortcake doll, which is what I had asked for for Christmas. And it, of course, was a very confusing time for a three-year-old, not knowing what was going on. My parents took me home, and they tried to go to, uh, took me to several specialists who all told them the same thing. And when the doctors were not getting them any answers that they needed. They started turning to alternative medication, alternative people. I went to, remember going to a doctor in Mexico. I remember going to some lady who would give me shots of who knows what. There was a lot of people that were giving my parents a lot of false hope and saying, you know, just take this, just do this, just that. You know, I've heard this would happen. Uh, you know, she'll, and so they were just giving them a lot of false hope. And it's unfortunate. Now that I'm older, I'm thinking that's insane. <laughs> and kind of dragged me to a lot of different places and because, you know, they did not want to give up hope, but of course that was not going to work. And so finally they turned to religion. They were Catholics, they were not devout Catholics, but they did go to church now and then and they started searching for different denominations, took me to several different churches and none of them were helping them. And so finally my aunt convince them to let her and ask a couple from their church 
to give my parents a Bible study. And Tom and Becky James, they were so gracious to give my parents a Bible study. And so they came over for the next 12 or so weeks and taught my parents a Search for Truth Bible study. And this Bible study changed our lives. They were so patient. They answered all the crazy questions and, well, not crazy, but all the normal questions that any new person that was, is trying to understand the Word of God would have. And finally, they came to church and they felt the power of God and God touched their lives and they, they were changed. And I believe it was November of 1984 that both of my parents were baptized. My mother received the Holy Ghost first on Pentecost Sunday and several months later, my father received the Holy Ghost. So both of my parents raised my brothers and I in church. I got the Holy Ghost when I was about seven or eight years old. I was baptized when I was about 11. And so also one of the things that I love to do in church, I sang. I, since I was five years old, I was just intrigued with music, loved music, loved to hear apostolic singing. And I would sing at every little Christmas program and, and sing solos every now and then at church. And that was my thing. I, I felt the Lord at a very young age. Then at about six years old, I found out that my hips had come back out of the socket. And so I went to the first week of first grade, and then I had surgery in body cast again. And I was did homebound, had a teacher come in and try to work with me and doing schoolwork. And then um, went back to school. And then the same thing happened when I was seven years old in second grade. My hips came back out of the socket. The doctor was frustrated. I went to the first week of school. And then I went back into surgery, went back into hip surgery. And so this kind of was just going on, and we were kind of getting nowhere. The reason why it was so important for me to have my hips in the socket is because at this time I was in a wheelchair. I was using a wheelchair, but for the most part, I was using this brace called a reciprocator, which I would use crutches with, and I would walk. And it took a lot of energy to exert, but I did walk, and it was a good kind of exercise for me. And, and the only way to really be in this is if I was able to have both hips in the socket. But at this time, it was just kind of not worth it to keep having these surgeries. And as I was having these surgeries and being in these body casts for so long, there were several times when my bones would break because my bones were very brittle, I believe. I broke my tibia twice. And the doctors were so frustrated that this was happening that none of his surgeries were working, that he actually called CPS on the parents and told them that they were the reason why I was not healing and they were breaking my bones, which was completely ludicrous. My mother was pregnant with my youngest brother when I was seven. I'm sorry, six years old, turning seven, and the um, social worker came in and interviewed me and my brother and quickly found out that that was, of course, not the case. I was actually very upset by the time they left and finished talking to my brother and I, they realized that it was the doctor's incompetence. And my parents were thinking about taking legal action, but decided just to leave it alone. And we kind of just went on with our lives. And then when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with scoliosis, curvature of the spine. And it wasn't until I was 11 years old that I had back surgery. And scoliosis is something that runs in my father's side of the family. So when I was 11, my back was starting to had kind of turned into the shape of an X S I'm sorry the shape of an S and so I went into surgery and had my spinal cord fused and had two metal rods put in my back 
So after the surgery, we thought, okay, you know, we're, we're going to be good. But unfortunately, that was not the case. After my surgery when I was 11, that surgery was about eight, seven to eight hours. There was a lot of trauma that had happened in my body. It took my body a while to kind of get back to normal. And then when I came home from the hospital, I developed pneumonia. So I do remember a couple months after my surgery having one of my first panic attacks. And I had no idea what that was. It was just an overload of emotion. And I remember feeling like I was being electrocuted. I think I was doing some sort of housework. I think I might have been either, I don't know, I might have been helping to vacuum or dishes or something. But I felt like I was being electrocuted. It just kind of came out of nowhere. My heart rate was going up. I thought that there was, I was dying, impending doom. And it was due to just the trauma that I had been through. But I had no idea and it was a very scary time, especially as for an 11-year-old. And years later, I mean, actually as of recent, I found out that feeling like you are being shocked is actually a symptom of, of anxiety, of overload in you know, your emotions and uh, nervous system. So I found somebody else, one of my friends also mentioned to me that they had had some similar sort of uh, some sort of similar symptom or feeling when they were a child too as well and had also endured some sort of um, trauma themselves so that I did not know would not know years and years later so this was kind of the beginning of having these sort of panic attacks that came out of nowhere and wondering what was wrong with me um, that maybe I wasn't praying enough maybe I wasn't you know living for God enough but of course, I know now that that was not the case. So years, a couple of years later, when I was 13 years old, I went to the doctor to go check up on my back, and it turned out that the rods in my back had broken in three places. Of course, that sounds ludicrous, but you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I it broke in three places. I remember looking at the x-ray and thinking, what on earth? This is metal rods, and I don't know what happened. There wasn't anything. I wasn't in a car accident. There was nothing that I did that would cause these rods to break, but they broke. And so I was going to need surgery. One of them was going to be to take out the rods. The other one would be to realign my organs since my scoliosis was back, only that this time there was metal rods, broken metal rods in my back, which was making... Um, it very difficult for me because I was in a lot of pain and and the scoliosis was continuing to get worse. My back was continuing to go into the shape of an S. And so I uh, started battling infections because my hip and my rib would rub together, forming a decubitus ulcer. I had to have several uh, skin grafts because of infections and because of the scoliosis and I when I finally did have surgery years later it turned out that I was only using about 30% of my lung capacity but at this time I did not want to have surgery I was afraid to have surgery because the doctor said if you survive the first surgery then you can go through the second surgery if you survive the second surgery this was a very scary thing and honestly I just was not ready to do something like this it was a huge thing to do and I was afraid so I did not have the surgery instead we hoped and wished it away <laughs> which was not really a good idea and in hindsight I wish I would have just had this surgery but 
I was hoping that it would not progress. I was wearing a, a, a brace, hoping to keep my back from getting worse, which was not helping, and uh, continued again to be to battle these infections. So another thing that happened when I was 13 years old, December of 1983, I'm sorry, 93, is the first week of December, one of my cousins who was two years older than I was, who had been raised in church, he was stabbed. And a couple of days later, another one of my cousins was shot in the head. So this was another very traumatic thing for me, 13 years old. We spent Christmas in the hospital with my cousin, and that brought back, of course, a lot of memories. And December to this day is a very difficult time for my family. There's a lot of more things that happen later on in life, but December is kind of one of those months that is just difficult emotionally all the way around for all of these events that have happened and all these memories. So at 14 years old, I had another infection, and I almost died. I almost dehydrated for three days. I couldn't keep anything down. And I had to go and get IV antibiotics, and we had to take me to the hospital. I told my mother to take me to the hospital. I was very sick. At first, they told me that I just had some stomach bug because I was not keeping anything down. But finally, my mother took me to the hospital. Had she not taken me to the hospital that night, I would have died. I'd been dead the next morning. And my, um, my body was shutting down. And I was so dehydrated that they were trying to put IVs in my arms and they could not do it. And it was just so painful because they were digging into my veins, trying to find them, hitting my arms, trying to get a vein to come out. And I'm actually a little bit queasy when I'm thinking that and talking about it right now. But um, that, of course, caused a lot of trauma, medical trauma. To this day, I'm exactly afraid of of needles when even talking about needles kind of brings that back into me my mind PTSD so at 14 I had another surgery another skin graft to get rid of the infection and then um, I turned 15 and my cousin was another one of my cousins actually died when I was 15 he was shot um, and uh, it was a drug deal gone wrong. He was 19 years old, and he died. That was the first person in my life that had died. I ended up singing for his funeral. And that happened a couple months before I turned 16. And it was during a time when I was healing from one of my surgeries, one of my skin grafts. And so that was a devastating point in my family's life, uh, being person that was so young who passed away so young in my life and he was so young so as time went on I was continuing to have these really terrible panic attacks and I started having them at school I thought I was losing my mind and I just didn't understand because I was a person that went to church and prayed and loved God and and even though my relationship with God was rocky at this time in my teenage years I still was going to church and I didn't understand all the prayer in the world was not changing anything so that was something that I had to continue to deal with so I turned 16 at age 17 I learned to drive my mother's car with hand controls and there's certain sort of controls thankfully that they do I got my first job when I was 17 in high school and one thing about my parents is they 
raised me to do everything that everybody else did. I did the dishes like my brothers did. I, I vacuumed. I cleaned. I did everything. And my parents were very much about, you are just like everybody else. You are going to do everything like everybody else. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a job. You're going to go to college. You are going to do all of those things. And you know what? I believed it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that maybe things have not been easy for me physically, but I've always find a way, found a way to do them alternatively. And so we've always found a way to make stuff happen. And I'm so thankful for that. And then when I was 17, I also got my first car. And with they put hand controls, I was able to fold. And still to this day, I fold my wheelchair and put it in the back seat behind me. And I drive. And my first car was a 1998 Mustang. So uh, I've had four sports cars. Now I drive a Camaro. But I graduated from high school when I was 17. And I actually was asked to sing the National Anthem audition, sang the National Anthem for my high school graduation. I got accepted into the University of Arizona. And a month after my 18th birthday, I moved into the all-girls dorm at the university. And I wanted to be independent. That was such a huge thing for me. Is I wanted to be able to take care of myself. And I could. I, I did take care of myself. And to people's shock and surprise, uh, I was able to do that, just like so many other people who are disabled and have spinal cord injury, who have kids, who are married and have jobs and live independently. So that was very important to me. And I was glad that I was able to do that. And I struggled still with my infections and every now and then again I was back in the hospital so I tried to go to school at the University of Arizona but it wasn't going to happen because I kept having to drop out and finally I was just had enough and I decided that I was going to stop living in fear and I was going to learn to trust God and so I decided when I was 21 to have this back surgery so in July of 2001 I went in and did back surgery. Now, at this time, I really didn't have a choice because I was not responding to IV antibiotics. The time that this medication was working, the time was less. It would maybe take like a week when I would get symptoms and I would be able to take medication and I would get symptoms. Now, it was more like a day, 24 hours before I wouldn't be able to hold anything down and would get very sick. So... I didn't have a choice. It was kind of between a rock and a hard place. Either you die from these infections or you die possibly in surgery. So I had these surgeries, and it was a very difficult surgery. I almost did die during this time. I was in the hospital for a month. I did have to be in traction between these three surgeries. I had um, had holes drilled in my head and in my knees so that we could put weights on my head and weights, 20 pound weights on my head and 20 pound weights on my knees, my legs, so that I could be in traction so that my they could stretch my back as much as they could. And again, I mentioned that I was only learn, using about 30% of my lung capacity when I was 21 and had surgery. And the scoliosis is usually when you're at 30% is when you start considering back surgery. But I was at 105 degrees of scoliosis. So when I finally did have this surgery, I have now about between 54 and 56 degrees of scoliosis. So there's still a good amount of scoliosis that is still in my back. But I grew three inches and my health returned. So this surgery that I was very afraid of and rightly so, thank the Lord, I came out of it. 
and I was able to finally not be worried every, you know, that every few months that I was going to have to go back into the emergency room or that I was going to die. So my life was what I needed it to be. I had felt like I had been given a second chance. And at that point, I felt like I didn't want to go back to school at the University of Arizona, that I wanted to do something different, that I wanted to pursue what God had for my life. And I felt like God had called me when I was about 11 or 12 years old at a ladies' conference. And I felt like there was a calling on my life. And so when I was 23 years old, as I mentioned in my last podcast, I moved to Jackson, Mississippi to attend Jackson College of Ministries. And there is when I decided to publish or have my first book printed about my testimony called Famous in Battle that talks about my the first 18 years of my life. And when I returned that next semester at Jackson College of Ministries, and my books had printed. I was given the opportunity to go to several churches and to travel and to give my testimony and to sing and to play the piano and to sell my books. And that was also a time when I got to go on my first missions trip. I went to England for about 10 days with something that I'd always wanted to do. And that opportunity to go to school in Mississippi opened up a world for me where I met some amazing people and got to travel all over the place and to this day, I have been to six countries in Europe, and I have been on four cruises. I fly all the time domestically by myself. There is this thing called an aisle chair, and I'll have to go into depth about it, about all the different things about my disability. And I am a wheelchair user. Like I mentioned, I do drive. So lots of things that I do. And so God has really had his hand on my life. There has been a lot of difficult moments, as I have mentioned, but God has been good and he has kept me. And I sort of feel like Paul, when he is talking about the thorn in his side that he prayed for, but the Lord answered him and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Made, you know, and your strength, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I, I know that that is true because God has been my strength in all of these difficult moments. What I have learned also is that God gets the glory in all of my weaknesses and all of my physical inadequacies. God has always made up the difference. He has always allowed me to go through things only to be able to show his glory for him to be glorified. My life has continued and it has then after I left JCM, after it closed in 2005, that there have been several opportunities, several things that I have been able to be a part of. So I'm thankful for that. And there's a lot of things that I want to continue to talk about during this podcast about my disability, about being in a wheelchair, about how people respond to me, how people have responded to me in the church. And I have so many stories, so I will try to limit to those. But I do want to have some conversations about that as well as have some other people also talk about that. But I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast for learning a little bit more about my testimony, a little bit more about me, and some of the reasons why I want to talk about mental health and why I want to talk about disability ministries and, and why all of these things are so important to me. So I hope you join me next week as I continue on with this journey and we will be talking about personal spiritual disciplines and during the month of January, starting off the 2023 new year. So I look forward to having you join me. God bless.